Numa fam. Super excited to be here with you guys today. I'm even more excited to be joined by my friend, Masande here. Hi guys, hi. <laughs> so Masande is joining us today. We're doing something a little bit different. We are gonna have a little bit of a conversation, um, but before we dive into our conversation, let's just take a minute, about 30 seconds. Let's get still, let's get quiet, and let's just prepare ourselves, our hearts to hear from God this morning. God, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity um, to come together um, and to discuss you and the way you have moved in our lives, the way you have impacted us, um, the way that your word has impacted us and the people that you've sent into our lives um, to be a blessing to us and for us to be a blessing to them as well. We thank you for your presence here with us today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray these things. Amen. Amen. So, Masande, yes. and guys, as I said, we're doing something a little bit different today. Masande and I are going to have a conversation. We, as a community, are spending some time this month just reflecting on the ways that we've seen God move in our lives and how that has impacted us. And so I'm going to ask Masande here a couple <laughs> of questions, um, and she's going to lead us through and share some of her experiences with us today. So, Masande, my first question for you yes. is... It's a fairly easy question. Okay. Share with us a little bit about your childhood, how you grew up. Mm. All right. So I was born and raised in a small town in the Eastern Cape called Mtata. Mtata. Yes. So Mtata is a super, super tiny town. Um, and that's where I spent, spent majority of my childhood. Um, my mom raised me with my gran. Um, I have one younger brother and I have a, a bunch of cousins who, who lived with us. So I grew up in a family that was just filled with a lot of people. Okay. Yeah. So obviously, I know that you have a relationship with God now. What yeah. was your childhood like? Did you have a relationship? What was your, what's some of your spiritual background? Um, yeah, so my grandmother was an elder at a Pentecostal church. So my childhood was filled with, um, with going to revivals. Okay. I went to revivals, our Sunday services were Holy Spirit filled. So from a young age, I was exposed um, to things like demon casting, to speaking in tongues, to praying in tongues, okay. to um, just everything you can think of when you think of a Pentecostal church. That was my entire childhood. Okay, yeah. so within those experiences, these demon castings and revivals <laughs> that you were a part of, yeah. share with us maybe one or two of your most meaningful experiences and how they shaped you, how they've impacted the Masande that sits before us today. Yeah, um, I think an experience that really impacted me, I think more than an experience, um, I think it was from a young age, seeing Christianity not just done at church, but lived out. Mm. Um, because the, the church that I was a part of, um, majority of the people were not well off, because um, the town I come from at that time, it was, um, it was not a town filled with well off people, um, especially the neighborhood that I lived in. So a lot of the people were, were in need. Um, and just the way that the church would always come together for people, like at my house, at one point there were 11 people living at my house. Um, and only five of them were blood relatives. Wow. So the rest of the people were church people that needed a, a place to stay. So I think more than seeing um, the amazing things that were happening at church, 
seeing them lived out in day-to-day -day life, I think that's what really drew me to Christianity and that's what drew me to, um, to God and to the church because I saw people in the church living out mm -hmm. what they were experiencing within the church. So your family literally was the church. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. it didn't just, your family wasn't just saying, oh, <laughs> we're Christians, we, we, you know, we believe this, but they yeah. literally lived their lives out and yeah. shared what they had. Yeah. Um, with other people, what God had blessed them with. That's amazing, Sunday. That's <laughs> yeah. good. So um, for you, in, in growing up in that environment, right? So I know you've said that it, it, it showed you how to live it out. As you got older, right? So you went from primary on, on into your high school career. Mm -hmm. How did that, how did those experiences shape how you lived your life as you got older? What are some of the things, some of your rhythms that you have in your life now because of that? Yeah, so to just uh, bring it back a little bit, uh, when I was nine years old, uh, my mom, um, she sent me off to boarding school. So when I lived in Umtata, um, majority, well, mo all my friends were black. It was okay. just little closer kids running around the neighborhood. Um, so my school was an entirely black school. My neighborhood was a black neighborhood. So I'd never been exposed to anything else. Wow. Um, and so when I was nine years old, my mom, she sent me to a boarding school five hours away from home. Um, and that's where my life changed. Like, because when I got to the boarding school, I was exposed to so many things that, mm -hmm. I, um, that I wasn't exposed to as, as a, a little child. Um, and so even at, at boarding school, that's when I actually made the choice that Christianity was going to be a personal thing and not just my family's um, relationship with God. Because when I was younger and um, living at home, my grandmother took me to church. And then when I got to boarding school, I had an option. I chose mm -hmm. whether I wanted to go to church or whether I didn't want to go to church on a Sunday. It wasn't forced. Um, and so it was in boarding school that I made the decision that I was going to, um, to keep going to church. I was going to build a relationship with God. Um, and that's when actually I feel like my relationship with God started. Okay. Yeah. What, because I have a 12 year old son now yeah. and I know that my 12 year old son, he comes to church because mm -hmm. mom and dad say, get ready. We're going yeah. to church. So for you as a nine year old in boarding school, what do you think led you into that decision? Like, how did you just say, okay, I'm going to get up and go to church. I'm not going to sleep in or I'm not going to wake up on Saturday and eat cereal and watch cartoons. Like, what was, what was it yeah. that had Masande to the point where she was like, no, this is what I'm going to do? Yeah. What helped you get to that point? Honestly, the initial thing was not very holy. <laughs> the Ooh. reason why I decided to keep going to church when I went to boarding school was because um, the church that uh, I had gone to for a few times, the ladies there, they, they baked. So the ladies were these old Afrikaans ladies, and they baked the most delicious cookies and the most she delicious... She went to church for the cookies, Masande. I did. <laughs> so initially, that's why I went to church, because I was like, oh, every Sunday I get to go to church and I get to have these like amazing cakes and cook sisters wow. and all these um, delicious things. So initially, that's why I went. But the reason why I kept going um, was because of how I felt when I was at church. Mm -hmm. I think I... I just, I felt at home. Church for me was, felt like an extension of who I was. Um, and so that's why I, I continued to go because it just, it always felt right. It always felt like exactly the place that I want to be at. Wow.
Yeah. Wow, cookies. <laughs> Started with the cookies, guys. So if you go to church, eat the cookies because they've been prayed over. Yep. <laughs> so let's move on from boarding school, mm-hmm. university. I know a lot of us, when we transition into university, it can be a little bit rocky, a little bit tough. I know for me personally, mm-hmm. it was, you know, the years of Buckwild, Kimberly, doing whatever I wanted to do. I had a lot of freedom, and it was just free. Yeah. So for you... What were your university years like? Did you continue in your relationship and and going to church and being a part of a community? Mm -hmm. And how did that impact your university time? Yeah. Um, So in in high school, that's when I I really um, got planted in in church. Um, And luckily, I went to um, university in the same town that I went to high school in. Okay. Um, So I went to Rose University. um, And I stayed at the same church that I was at when I was in in, um, in high school. Okay. Um, but I, I remember um, going to university and thinking that, okay, maybe this is my time to, to do other things. Because I'd just been, you know, church girl my Sunday my entire um, high school. And I'd loved that about me. But I thought, okay, maybe this is time for me to, to explore other things. Mm. Um, that only lasted one weekend. <laughs> what happened in that weekend, Masande? <laughs> that lasted a whole one weekend. Um, yeah, so I went out with my friends for one weekend. Um, <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the story of why that all happened. But anyway, I went out with my friends for one weekend. And I thought, okay, this is going to be my new life. Um, this is what I'm doing now. And um, I remember the Saturday, I was in a club with my friends. And I was having a good time. And in that club, I like audibly heard the voice of, the, of God. Like, I had never in life heard God so audibly than I did that day. Um, and I heard him say, Masande, get out of here. Oh, wow. Was it like God was on the mic? He took the mic from the DJ type vibes? <laughs> like, was it that loud? It was that loud. It was audible. It was loud. It was wow. clear. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was my one weekend of uh, rebellion, I call it. <laughs> One weekend, that was rebellion from a Sunday, guys. <laughs> so you hear God say this, do you like immediately like take off and run out of the door? Or was there like a moment where you were like, no? No, be- even, even being in that place for me, I was so familiar with, with, with God and how he spoke that I knew when he spoke that it was God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of was like, oh, okay, I-, I hear, I hear this. I hear it, but is this really the place where I should be hearing such things? Mm. Um, but, I, but the next day I was at the altar praying, like, God, forgive me. Uh, here I am. I'm back. Um, but, yeah, I think leading up to that, what had happened for me in university was that I went to um, a church that was uh, going through a season of, um, of miracles. So our church, like, people were, had, like, gold dust on their hands um, just things like that were happening in our, in our church a lot. Mm. And the Holy Spirit was moving like, like a lot um, in that season. Well, even after that, but it was a specific season in our church that the Holy Spirit was doing amazing things. Um, and I felt like a spectator. I felt like I was just watching other people experience God. I was watching other people experience the Holy Spirit. And I was just there as a spectator in the house of, of God. And that went on for, I think, for about a year okay. um, of being in church, just feeling like, man, God, everybody around me is shaking, baking. They're all just like experiencing the Holy Spirit. Um, and I'm just here like, 
okay, <laughs> what's happening with me? Um, and so I think that experience, experience it kind of makes you look inward mm. and it makes you feel like, is there something wrong with me? Is there something I'm not doing right? Is there something that I'm lacking that I'm not experiencing the Holy Spirit like everybody else is? Yeah. And so I internalized that, um, that season um, because also because all my friends were experiencing the Holy Spirit um, in outward ways. Um, and so I didn't understand why I wasn't having those experiences with the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I remember just one day being in the front of, of the altar and just crying. Hmm. I was just like, God, what's the point of it? If I'm not going to experience you like everybody else, um, then what's, what's the point of it all? Um, and this one lady, um, she came up to me as I was like crying or whatever. And she, she just like held me gently and she said, you know, Masande, I feel like God is saying, um, seek his face and not his hand. And that for me just mm. like brought so much breakthrough. I think like just an incredible amount of clarity came upon me in that moment because I realized that what I was doing was seeking the hand of God. I wanted to seek these outward um, experiences yeah. um, and my focus was taken away from God. I wasn't seeking who he was, uh, but I was seeking what other people were experiencing. Um, and so, yeah, my mind really shifted when, um, when she said that. And uh, you, like after that, I didn't, I wouldn't say I experienced the Holy Spirit like everybody else, yeah. but it was a beautiful experience either way because I knew that my focus was on God and whatever God wanted me to experience, I would experience. Um, yeah. So you said that when this lady shared that with you, that your mind shifted, right? Yeah. I think a lot of times we hear people say, oh, I got a word from God and it shifted my mindset and this happened and this happened. But for you in this mindset shift, what happened practically? Like, was there anything that you did that changed in your routine or in your rhythm that helped move you forward yeah. in living that out, in having a changed mindset? Yeah, I think in that moment, I realized that I was seeking after the wrong things. Like, there's nothing wrong with wanting to experience the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and wanting to, to see gold dust on your hands. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think if that becomes your only focus, if all you want is to just shake and you, you're not concerned about, about God and, any, and everything else, I think that's where the problem was for me. Um, and so I think the shift happened when, even like after she left, I just sat there and I just prayed. Mm. Um, I just prayed and I was like, you know what, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to seek after you um, and everything else will fall into place as I seek after you. Um, and so even like in worship sessions after that, I would just focus on, on God. Um, and so I think that's, that's um, where the mind shift happened for me. Okay. So it sounds like this mind shift, this encounter with this young woman giving you this word was like a crucial moment for you. Yeah. After this happened, were there any other meaningful and crucial moments in your journey with God that you'd want to share with us? Um, so in university? Just, yeah. Or post? Post, post. Whatever, whatever floats, whatever God is leading you to share with us today. Yeah, so after, after that, um, I went to South Korea. Okay. Yeah, so I moved to South Korea after university uh, because a, a lady who was discipling me uh, in my first year of university, she was in Korea. Okay. And so I grew up, like I said in the beginning, I grew up in, in Mtata, right? Small town. Um, and then I went to boarding school in Gramstown, another small town. So I felt like my world was so limited. 
like I just juggled between these two small towns in the Eastern Cape and all I wanted was an adventure. I was just like, I just want to get out of here. I want an adventure. Um, and so that's why I moved to South Korea. Okay. And um, yeah, I moved to South Korea and my life changed. I encountered God in just the most amazing and most powerful way. Um, yeah. So did you make the move to South Korea just like, you just said, I'm going to go to South Korea. Or was there a plan? Like, were you going there to do something? It was just like, I'm going to rock up in South Korea and I'm hanging out with Jesus <laughs> and this is what it is. There was no plan. No plan at all. There was no plan. Um, the only thing I knew about South Korea at that point was the Cold War. I knew that they were in a Cold War. But outside of that, I knew nothing about South Korea. What I wanted was an adventure. Okay. I wanted to break out of the small town bubble. Um, and so that's why I went to Korea. I, 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 I prayed about it, and I felt like God was opening uh, specific doors for me to go to South Korea. It was, there was also so much favor in me going to South Korea, um, just financially and with the company I was working with. There was just so much favor. So it, it felt like the right step to, to take, um, but there was no big plan. No big plan. So no. you went there working with a company, right? Um, no, just, so I went there to teach English. You went there to teach English. Okay. And so, okay. So teaching English brought you to South Korea. Yeah. What can you share with us about your experience in going to South Korea and not having a plan and not knowing what was going <laughs> to happen, just kind of rocking up and trusting God yeah. to, to make moves? Yeah, I was definitely trusting God to make moves because my plan was to go to South Korea for a year. Okay. And um, I came back seven years later. So, uh, <laughs> well, all right then. <laughs> yeah. Um, so while I was in South Korea, um, the biggest reason why I, I stayed was because I was working with a, a ministry in South Korea. Okay. So I was part of um, a church and um, I got to a point where I felt like um, I wanted something, something new. I felt like because the church I was part of in university, they had a branch in South Korea. Okay, yeah. I was just going to ask, how did you get to South Korea and find a church? Like, how did that happen? What, what yeah. led you into that church? Okay. Yeah, so I went to the same church, um, and I just felt like I wanted to experience um, another, another type of church and another setup. So a friend of mine had been going to a church, and so I said to her, okay, listen, I'm going to come visit your church, but I'm going to visit other churches as well. Okay. So this is just my first stop in my uh, church Managing hopping. expectations of our <laughs> yeah. friends there, yeah. <laughs> uh, so she's like, okay, cool, come over to church. I went to, um, to her church. It was great. Um, and even, like, so during the service, again, I, I, I heard God say, this is the church for you. Hmm. And I thought, Lord, I've only been to one other church, like the church that I've always been a part of. This is my first stop. Can I also like go to other churches? But I, you know, I, I really heard God be like, this is the church for you. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, it seems like a good church. Um, and so on my way back down to have lunch with my friend and, and her friends, mm -hmm. I was waiting for the bus. Um, and um, a lady, a South Korean lady, she came up behind me. Um, and she, she kind of went on about how that was not my country. And um, I should leave the country and go back to my own country. Oh, okay. Yeah, so at this point, I'd been in South Korea for a year. I had an amazing time. I had extended to another year. Um, I had amazing South Korean friends, and I was absolutely loving living in South Korea. And so this experience, it came from nowhere. Like, it, wow. it came from nowhere. Um, and it became, it became a little physical. Um, yeah. And um, 
Yeah, and she... Wait, were, did you initiate the physicality <laughs> of it? Or was it on the no. other person? I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> and you're a Christian, right? And I'm a Christian, okay. yes. I don't do that. Um, but yeah, she, she came up behind me and she started kicking me. Yeah, and she was in her kicking, she was saying, I want you to leave and go to your own country. You're not welcome wow. in this country, you know. Um, and so I kind of just made everybody around me stop because I felt like if other people intervened, mm. it would become something bigger. And I just, I didn't want it to yeah. be anything bigger. Um, because I, in that moment, I don't know, I kind of felt like this feels more spiritual than, than anything. Um, and so it, it, was, it was a quick experience. It was very traumatic. Mm. Um, and then I got on the bus and I was supposed to have lunch with my friend and her friends. And I was like, not mm. happening. Mm -mm. Um, I'm going home. Yeah. And my house was two hours away on a bus. So I had to get on the subway and then get on a bus and then get on another bus to get home. Um, and this okay. entire time, the scene is just playing over and over again in my, in my head. Yeah. Um, and then eventually I get to, to my place um, and I'm crying. I'm just like in bed crying. I'm just like, Lord, why would this happen to me? You know, um, I, <laughs> in South Africa, I've never, you know, with all the racial um, history that we have, I've never experienced anything of this sort. Um, why would this be happening to me right now? And I just, I remember just crying myself to sleep. Hmm. Um, but even in that moment, I remember the Holy Spirit saying to me, um, why do you think he's fighting you so hard? And I was just like, God, what do you, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. You know, I, comfort me right now. What are these, what are these words? Um, but I remember just the Holy Spirit being like, why do you think he's fighting you so hard? Um, and that kind of stayed with me for the, for the weeks, for the next weeks. Like I, I kind of just played that over and over again and was like, what do you mean, God? What do you mm -hmm. mean, God? Um, and I never really felt like God explained what he meant at that time. Um, but that scene just kept playing over and over again in my head um, until years later. How many uh, years later? About like three or four years later. Okay. Um, when I was serving in ministry and just experiencing so much breakthrough in my walk with God. And again, I felt the Holy Spirit um, say, why do you think he fought you that hard that day? You know, mm. and then it, it all made sense that... I had decided to start going to this specific church. Yeah. And in that church, mm -hmm. God had used that church to bring so much breakthrough and victory in my life. Um, and so I, I, I understood then that, oh, okay, that's what it was. It wasn't just, yes, it was horrible that this woman was kicking me, but it wasn't just that. Because in that moment, I remember when she was doing that, I remember thinking to myself, I'm never coming back to this church. Mm. I remember thinking, I'm going to try another church next week, and I'm never, I'm never ever coming back here again, because what if she's here next week and yeah. she does this again, you know? Um, but I went back and uh, had an, an amazing, amazing time with God through that church. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> that, that, that's an amazing story. I don't think I would have been as forgiving and, and listened to God in that situation. I probably would have yeah. been kicking her back and like not <laughs> handled it the way that you did. So kudos to you, Masande, for handling it that way and, and continuing to be obedient and hear mm. from God during that time. So yeah. you're in South Korea, right? Uh -huh. Clearly, we're not in South Korea right now. So how did you end up back here in South Africa? What brought that about? Yeah, so when I was in Korea, I, um, I, I was part of a, a campus ministry. Um, it was called Emmaus. And um, I made a three-year commitment to that church. Okay. Um, I mean, sorry, to the, to to the ministry. Yeah. So we, it was amazing. We were discipling um, university students. Uh, majority of them were 
um, exchange students from the US, from Europe, from Africa. Um, and so they were just in Korea for about like six months to a year. Okay. And so we would disciple them in that time and then send them back to, to where they were coming from, hence Emmaus Road. Gotcha. That was, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I'm in Korea. I'm doing Emmaus. I'm doing ministry. I'm growing as you know, as as a person. Um, I had so I think before going to Korea, there was so much in me that I didn't know. I was I was really I think that experience in university, it made me doubt myself in in many other ways. Um, I felt like I didn't have you know a calling. I felt like. Um, I could never really be a leader in church. I would just always be serving. Um, and so through Emmaus and uh, through that ministry, so many of those things were broken off in my life. Um, and God really used that time in Korea to really build me, to, um, to just remove the lies that I had believed about myself when it comes to church um, and serving in church and leading in church um, and having authority um, to pray over people, to... Um, to, to disciple people, to counsel people, mm. um, just all those things really came into fruition in my life while I was in Korea. Um, and so as I was doing the ministry, my, um, my dad got sick. Um, yeah, so my dad mm. got sick, and a couple of years before my dad was sick, my grand had passed away wow. um, while I was in Korea. And so having gone through losing my grandmother while I was in a foreign nation, mm. when my dad got sick, I was like, hey, no ways. Like, <laughs> like this no. is not happening again. I was like, yeah. no ways. I'm not going to be here again and lose another, mm. another person that I love. And so, um, yeah, so my dad got sick and it, it kind of um, was feeling like it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Um, and so I made the decision that I was going to, to leave Korea and come back home. But I was in the middle of my three-year commitment. Mm -hmm. um, I think I was in the third year. Um, yeah, so my dad got sick and I... I, it just it felt like time. It was time to to come back home. Before that, I really had no plans to come back. Um, but I think everything with my dad felt like it was forcing me to to come back home. Okay, tell tell me a little bit about that transition coming back home. Coming back home. Yeah. Um, it was not an easy transition because I'd been in Korea for about seven years. So mm -hmm. I'd built a life, built friendships. Um, but I had to come back home. Yeah, I had to come back home. And it wasn't easy, even with the ministry, um, because you, you've made a commitment, you know. Um, you have to honor your commitment. Um, and so I had long conversations about honoring that, com that commitment. Yeah. Um, not everybody was for me coming back home. Okay. There were people who felt like I should have stayed and honored the commitment that I had made. Um, but ultimately, it was my decision to be like, you know what, I, I believe in honor, yeah. I believe in commitment, um, and I'm all for honoring your commitments, but I need to put my family first. Yes. Um, yeah. Which I commend you for. I know <laughs> it probably wasn't an easy thing to do, um, mm -hmm. but something that you needed to do for your family. So yeah. you come back to South Africa, unfortunately, during a tumultuous time yeah. for your family with your dad being sick. So you're in the Eastern Cape, I'm assuming. Yeah. Then how did you end up here in Cape Town, South Africa? <laughs> um, so I'd only ever been to Cape Town once. Um, I'd only ever come here once. Um, and even then, it was a very short trip. I think I was in, in town for about a week. Um, but that week was just so, like, my mind remembered that one week in Cape Town. 
Um, and so when I came back to South Africa, I was deciding, okay, what do I do next? Mm. Um, and honestly, it was not even about what do I do next, but it was about where do I start? Because I left South Africa um, at 20, I think I was 21 or 20, 22 maybe. I okay. was 22. And I was coming back um, 20, at 29. And so uh, it was really not even about where do I go, but it was about where do I start, God? Mm. Um, because it felt like at 29, I'd have to start everything all over, all, all over yeah. again. Um, and um, just Cape Town was on my heart and um, I felt like God had plans for me in Cape Town and so I, I moved to Cape Town. You moved to Cape Town because you <laughs> thought God had plans for you. Did yeah. God move quickly in revealing his plans for you here in Cape Town? Yes, but I also kind of changed those plans. <laughs> we like to do that, don't we? Yeah, yeah we like to do that. Um, so when I moved to Cape Town, I, I had a, a nine to five hmm. um, and it was, it was great. The company I worked for was, was really great. Uh, but just in the middle of that, I, I felt like nine to five was really not for me. Hmm. Um, and I felt like while I, when I was in Korea, part of my um, ministry role was that I, I headed up fundraisers for our ministry. And so I had had such an amazing time um, putting events together and doing fundraisers that I, I was like, you know what? I remember that time. I remember having so much fun putting things together. Mm -hmm. I want to do that. Like, I want to do that. Um, and so I uh, decided that I was going to go back to school full time. Okay. I think at this point I'm like 30. Um, go back to school full time, study events, and uh, start all over again, again. <laughs> again, 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 again. Yeah. And I love how free you are in sharing your age. Most women don't want to tell people how old they are. So God bless you in that freedom. Um, <laughs> so you've shared, um, as you've told us a little bit of your story, a lot of the ways that God has moved and how he has impacted your life in the past. Yeah. Right. So is there a particular instance that you can recall over the last couple of months where God clearly has had his hand in something that you that has happened for you something that you needed something that you were asking for and you saw god move on your behalf can you share yes. a recent experience yes. with us yes so um recently i so when i moved to cape town i moved in with friends um and i've been staying with friends um and so recently i was like you know what god i want to stay by myself yeah i want to give my own case and i remember when the year started i was very specific I, like, I wrote down in my journal the exact location that I want the flat to be in, the price range. Um, yeah, all those things. I was very specific about the things that I was going to pray into. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, the year started. I started praying into those, into those, those things when it came to my flat. Um, and things were not working out. My contract at my old place was going to be done at the, on the 31st of January. Okay. And now it's like the 27th of January and I don't have a, a place to stay. And I'm, so, I'm still praying into the specific wow. thing that I wrote down in my journal when the year started. Um, and so on my birthday, I got a call from um, the agency that um, I had gotten the flat. But the funny thing was just before they called me, they called my mom and they told her that I didn't get the flat. And then they called me and said that they didn't get my documentation. Okay. So they said, please resend everything that you sent us because we've got nothing from you. And I said to them, but you said that you would get back to me in three or four days. Today is the fourth day. 
and, they, and then they even said, if we don't get back to you by the fourth day, just consider yourself unsuccessful. Wow. So I said to them, it's the fourth day and you don't have my papers? Like, what do you mean? And um, my contract here is about to be <laughs> it's up? about to be done. Um, and so I sent them my paperwork all over again. And within, I think, about three hours, they called me and they were like, the flat is yours. Three hours? Oh. That's like record God yeah. moved time, yeah. right? And the flat is the location I wanted, the wow. size that I wanted, wow. and at the price that I wanted. Wow. So... That's amazing, yeah. Masande. That is a true testament, guys, to be specific <laughs> yep. about the things that you want and the things that you're asking God for. So, Masande, uh -huh. thank you so much for sharing so much of your intimate story <laughs> with us here today. Would you mind praying mm. for us before we take off? I'd love to. Um, Father, we thank you for this time, God. Um, we thank you, Lord Almighty, that, that you are here. We thank you, Father God, for our stories and our testimonies and the, the amazing things that you have written in our lives over the years. Um, we thank you that you are still writing, God. We thank you that even now the things that we are praying for, the things that we are contending for, the things that we are on our knees crying out for, Father. We thank you that we can trust you for all those things, God. And we just pray that um, for the people that have been listening today, um, we just ask that you would, uh, you would bless them, God. We ask that um, even as they're listening to my story, Father, I pray that it would speak um, into whatever area of their lives that they connect with. Um, I pray that it would be a blessing to those that hear it. Um, and I pray that it would be a connection point back to you, oh God. Um, so we thank you, Jesus, and in your mighty name we pray. Amen.